get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. It is always a pleasure to be joined by our friend ESPN's Major League Baseball insider. He is Jeff Passan joining us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jeff, it's great to catch up again, my man. How are you doing today? Gentlemen, how are you? Uh, doing fantastic. We're coming off of the high of the Blues win last night, so it, it's a it's a good day here in St. Louis. I want to talk to you about the Cardinals, though. There's been a trend with this team, Jeff, that's been interesting to me. It's all of these young guys that have come up and immediately contributed at the big league level. Uh, Meanwhile, the backdrop to this, as you've seen around the league, there's a lot of these top prospects that seem to be coming up that are struggling early on. Uh, What do you attribute that to? The fact that the Cardinals seem to have these guys that are coming up that are immediately contributing. Well... Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure, to be honest, it's anything at this point more than randomness, but let's look at the guys who are coming up. Uh, Juan Yepes is 24 years old and has spent a lot of time in the minor leagues. Nolan Gorman is only 22, but uh, he's had a good, I think, almost four years now uh, in the minor leagues as well. Uh, Brendan Donovan, 25 years old. This is not a situation like with Julio Rodriguez coming up, uh, you know, having spent as little time as he has in the minor leagues, Bobby Witt having had as few at-bats as he did. These, these were all guys who were in the Cardinal system pre-COVID and who had that full year of experience beforehand, at least in Yepes and uh, Donovan's case even more, uh, that, that I think goes a long way and, and makes that comfort level there more apparent. But uh, to tell you the truth, it's just such a small sample at this point. I, I can't I can't sit here and say that the Cardinals are doing a better job necessarily of of getting guys major league ready uh, earlier than some other organizations. I, I do think though that waiting a while to call guys up, uh, you know, historically the Cardinals are not a team that rushes their best prospects. I, I think the the closest we saw to a really young guy coming up uh at least recently was oscar Tavares, and that was you know god seven eight years ago now like it's been a long time since his debut the the cardinals just they don't they don't do that it's not their style it's not their philosophy and i get it Uh, listen they've done a magnificent job over the years of drafting and signing international guys and developing them and turning them into productive major leaguers 
With that being said, Jeff, since we're talking about these younger players and we're talking about them because they're having a massive impact on this Cardinals uh, run, even though it is such a short sample size, but because they're relying heavily on these younger players, do you think this is something that can last throughout the season? Can they win with these young players being such a big impact to their roster? I think you look at what the alternative is and the, the only conclusion you can draw is that they have to, right? These guys aren't in the lineup if other players are producing at the level that they were expected to or hoped for. And because of that, it's put the Cardinals in a, in, I'm not going to say a perilous position, but certainly a more tenuous one than they would be. in if they had guys upon whom they could rely because they knew that they have produced in the past and they could suspect that they're going to continue producing in the future. Uh, you're taking a risk by going with younger players, but uh, it, it's not a risk that's done uh, out of chance or out of a desire to to get younger guys in the lineup, it's out of necessity. And, and that necessity uh, comes from the fact that they're in a division with a very good Milwaukee Brewers team and uh, in, in a league, especially with the Western division, that has a bunch of good teams that are threats to steal wild card spots if the Cardinals don't win the Central. So that's what I wanted to get to with you, Jeff, next, because we get so focused in on the Cardinals locally that sometimes oh, we lose the scope. I never, I never would have thought that. <laughs> yeah, no, no not here. Um, we, we lose the scope of what the rest of this league looks like sometimes, and the Cardinals are about to begin a big series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, from your perspective, you've got more of the national lens. How do you view this Cardinals team compared to those other top teams in the National League right now? Uh, I think they are the second best team in the National League Central. And I think that Freddie Peralta's injury is going to be out for a while with a shoulder strain. Has a chance to be one of those things that evens out the, the balance of power in the Central. You, you know, the, the big question with the Brewers has always been, are they going to hit enough? And they've gotten contributions this year from relatively unexpected places. I mean, I, I, I suppose we know by now Hunter Renfro is going to be like the classic, you know, 250, 300, 500 guy. His on base is going to stink because he really doesn't take walks, but he hits home runs, he slugs, he strikes out a lot. Uh, and, and Rowdy Tellez is cut from that same clock. And I don't think the expectations when they traded for him and, and got him from Toronto last year were that he was going to turn into a, a mashing monster at first base, but he's been their best hitter so far this season. Willie Thomas has been really, really good since he's got traded there. Christian Yelich uh, looks closer to what he was. Listen, he's not his MVP caliber self, but he's looking closer to what he was than he has the past couple of seasons. And, uh, you know, if you have four guys in that lineup who are hitting, when you have the kind of pitching they do, it's, probably going to be enough um uh, you know corbin burns you can make an argument is the best pitcher in baseball um won the nl cy young last year and has come back and looked every bit as good this year if a bit more homer prone uh eric lauer's taken a big step forward he, even with some struggles from brandon woodruff at, at this point the the pitching that milwaukee has the the machine that they have created and it's not just Josh Hader and Devin Williams at the back end. It's a guy like Aaron Ashby who's in sort of that swing role right now where he's got power stuff from the left side. 
Um, it's someone like Brent Suter or, or Brad Boxberger, finding someone like Trevor Gott, who's been excellent, knowing that down at AAA you've got Ethan Small. Uh, the, their depth is really strong, and they can catch the ball too. And, and because of all of these things, uh, I think they're going to be difficult to supplant at the top of the division. Uh, the, the, listen, the, the Cardinals have had enough go right this year where I think that uh, in the end they're going to be a threat all season long. To me, it's going to just come down to the starting pitching, right? Uh, you know, Adam Wainwright is Mr. Consistent, and I, I, I have every expectation in the world that he's going to pitch until he's 65 and still be effective then. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, Miles Michaelis has been a very pleasant surprise this year. Dakota Hudson... Um, you know, uh, you wish you saw more strikeouts, but you get a lot of ground balls from him. And when you've got uh, gloves backing him like the Cardinals do, uh, you, you have a chance to get out of a game pretty well unscathed with him in there. Uh, the, the question for me at this point is, is Jordan Hicks really the fifth starter? Like, is, is that the guy who you're going to ride with when he's not even throwing four innings at a time? And that's a, that's a, tough onus to put on the bullpen every fifth day where you know you're going to need to get five maybe more innings because uh your starter's just not stretched out or hasn't shown the ability to go deep into games jeff with that being said i know we're at the end of may but you know how baseball fans are man the way too early trade deadline predictions do you feel like that's going to be an area if this continues and keeps up for the cardinals that they're going to be looking at to add more pitching or do you feel like it could be a shortstop or a bat? I mean, I think a lot of the shortstop conversation depends on how Tommy Edmund acquits himself there. It, it always seemed like it was trending in that direction, uh, whether it was Gorman coming up and taking over second base or Donovan performing as well as he has. If Edmund can be a reliable everyday shortstop, um, then all of a sudden the, the need for Xander Bogart's I think melts away a little though, frankly, anytime you can get Xander Bogarts in your lineup, you got to at least think about doing so. Uh, to me, yeah, it's, it's more pitching though. It's interesting. A lot of the pitchers uh, who are going to be on the market are in the central division. I mean, we look at Luis Castillo and Tyler Maley and potentially Mike Miner and the Cubs, uh, whether it's Wade Miley, Drew Smiley, maybe even Kyle Hendricks, or, or potentially Marcus Stroman, like there there are guys who could be on the move. Uh, are the Cubs going to want to trade to the Cardinals though? Are the Reds going to want to keep guys in the division? Uh, those trades happen. They're just more difficult to pull off. And so I, I think when you have a guy like Frankie Montas with uh, with, with the Oakland A's. Everyone is going to want him, and the price is going to be extraordinarily high on him. So it just doesn't dovetail with the Cardinals' way of operating and how John Mosellock has built this team. It's, you know, they are, and, and we saw this last year, and, and frankly, before the winning streak, before that incredible run that they had, there really wasn't a lot of reason to go out and trade for, for guys. So they go out and get John Lester and I think Jay Happ it was, but uh, if they're going to make those, those small incremental moves this year, I'm, I'm just not sure it's going to be enough at the same time. And you guys watch them every day. Maybe you can answer this question better than I can. Is this a team that's good enough 
to go out and want to add when you've got a superior team in Milwaukee in your division, when you've got superior teams like Los Angeles and San Diego and New York in your league. I, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, the Cardinals are at best the top five team in the National League. I think best they're fifth. I mean, maybe, listen, maybe they, they go on a run here that changes our perspective, but through a quarter of the season, I, I think, frankly, that's that's the only conclusion you can draw, and it, that that's a that's a tough place to find yourself if you're running baseball operations and trying to decide whether you're going to go out and add and just how much you're going to add at the deadline. Yeah, I think it entirely depends, Jeff, on what they get out of Tyler O'Neill and Jack Flaherty whenever he returns from injury. Like, if Jack is back to being the guy that we saw in 2019 in the second half of the season, sure, that that helps your pitching staff immensely. I think we need to rid ourselves of that Jack Flaherty is going to be back to the guy in the second. Jack Flaherty in the second half of 2019 was, I've been writing about baseball for totally 20 fair. years. One, one, of the, one of the best pitch, one of the best stretches I've ever seen from a starting pitcher. If Jack Flaherty can get back to being what he was in the first eight or nine starts of last year before he got hurt, you know, sub three ERA, but keeping the team in ball games and, and getting dubs. Yeah. I mean, if that Jack Flaherty is around, it solves a lot of problems for this team. Totally fair. It's a good point. And that that's what they need. Like they're missing right now, kind of that third guy to go along with Wayno and Michaelis. And the other guy that they just need more from is Tyler O'Neill. They thought that maybe he could be the guy that he was last year. And so far this year, he's been a shell of himself at the plate. And if those two things happen, it totally changes my outlook for the team. But, I mean, my level of confidence isn't particularly high right now on either of those things taking place. Yeah, I, I understand. We, you know, especially in O'Neill's case, when what you've seen, you've actually seen performance and it's been as substandard as it has. Um, and, and when you know all of the tools are there, that you know, aside from last season, that's been the knock on Tyler O'Neill's entire career. It's the reason that Seattle traded him in the first place. Um, he has all of the tools to be great, um, but sometimes the performance just is not there, and it hasn't been so far this year. Jeff, I did want to ask you about one other thing. Um, I, I think Nolan Arenado is on the Hall of Fame track, and pretty much everybody seems to agree with that. I wanted to ask you about Paul Goldschmidt because his numbers are starting to track in that direction. And when you look at uh, whether it be the wins above replacement numbers or some of the counting numbers that are starting to get there for him, the gold gloves are adding up. Do you think Paul Goldschmidt's going to end his career as a Hall of Famer? My initial instinct is probably no, but that's more because the standard and the threshold for first baseman is so incredibly high. And let me let me just make an aside right here. Sure. Um, yeah, yes, Yadier Molina is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And uh, yes, if I still voted at this point, I think I would vote for Yadier Molina, where for a long time I had not. Um, you know, there there's just there's too much there now to deny it. He's awesome. He's great. Uh, I enjoy Did his pitching him change your mind, Jeff? <laughs> it was the pitching appearance, huh? I mean that. Listen, the Hall of Fame needs two-way players. Right? <laughs> right. Him and Pools are getting two of them this year. Yeah, <laughs> just just to, just to be more representative, more inclusive, we need two-way players in there. And thank God the Cardinals now have a couple of them. Um, you know, I'm looking. I'm on. I'm on Goldie's Baseball Reference page right now, 
and I'm looking at his comps by age. Now, uh, similar batters, by far his closest analog is Freddie Freeman. I think Freddie Freeman's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. But after that, Mo Vaughn, Ryan Klesko, Prince Fielder, Hal Trotsky, Justin Morneau, like really good players, not Hall of Famers. Similar batter through age 33, Derek Lee, Jason Giambi, Fred McGriff. I almost feel like Paul Goldschmidt is the right-handed version of Fred McGriff at this point. Hmm. A guy who hits for high average, who walks, whose power is really good, but never like top of the league. I mean, he, I think he led uh, the league in home runs once back when he was 25 years old, but it's just a consistent 30 plus Homer, hundred RBI, 300 close to 400, 500 guy. Uh, The, the big thing that I think is going to get in the way of any candidacy for Paul Goldschmidt is if he does not win an MVP award. He's finished second twice, but the last time that happened was seven years ago. Um, uh, you know, a lot of this is going to depend upon what the back half of his career looks like. And considering what he's doing this year at age 34, if he can keep that up at 35, 36, 37, it's a whole lot easier to make the case. But right now, still doesn't have 300 home runs, let alone 400. Still doesn't have that that one standout great year that you can hang everything on. He's just been consistently excellent. Is consistent excellence enough to overcome not having that clear, obvious greatness? And and you can make the argument, guys, that consistent excellence should be the definition of greatness. Someone upon whom you can rely, and you know every year he's going to go out there and put up a great performance. Well, I, I still think he has a few years left to do that in order to get in that Hall of Fame conversation. Jeff, it's always great catching up with you, man. This has been awesome. I know you're an incredibly busy man, so thank you for spending a little bit of time with us this afternoon, and hopefully we'll talk with, with you again soon. Pleasure is always mine, boys. Thanks for having me.